another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to the Dark Crystal. Minute. And begin all the same big change. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. And now once more the world must undergo a time of testing. It is time, time to return to the castle. There is much to be learned, and you have no time. Hello and welcome to the Dark Crystal Minute. I'm your host, Phil. And I'm Sydney. And today we are going to talk about, I mean, for those who are new, um, welcome to the show. And every episode we go, we break down every minute of the Dark Crystal one episode at a time. So for this episode, we are up to minute 35. Um, So for those of you playing at home, uh, so we're going to be looking at between 34 to 35 minutes of the film. And um, I guess just as we go through each minute as a bit of a recap. So basically, Jen sort of investigates whatever sort of he hears or notices, you know, with the rustling and all that kind of stuff. Um, He gets closer and closer. He sees a little sort of hole in a sort of like a cave-like kind of thing. And of course, (laughs) out comes um, Fizzgig. This is probably one of the biggest jump scares yeah. in, in the film. Uh, actually, I know we were talking beforehand, Sydney, and I was actually curious about trying to think of like other jump scares in the film. But you actually pointed out something um, to me that I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, you know, that's a, that's another jump scare. You could yeah, I, I definitely that. think uh, at the beginning of the film, or toward the beginning of the film, when uh, the Chamberlain goes to curiously reach for the scepter at the emperor's bedside when he's laying there all crusty and everybody's just standing around and he's laying there unmoving just kind of um on the brink of death and then when the chamberlain reaches out to to grab it and then he sort of sits up and grabs at it like mine (laughs) that's um probably the first sort of when i think of jump scares in the film that's the first one that well, the fizz gig one is the first one that comes to mind, but the crusty uh, skexo reaching for his scepter is technically, I think, the first one in the film. Yes, yeah, and and uh, that's the thing. Like I was trying to think like of any other ones throughout the film, and I think they're they're the two sort of prominent ones. You know, like when it comes to jump scares, I mean, there's stuff that's scary stuff that yeah. you know happens, but. You probably wouldn't classify them in a jump, yeah, not a boom jump scare kind of category. Um, But yeah, I mean, how jumpy of a kid you were, I guess, when you watched it. (laughs) Yeah, I was, I I was already watching Evil Dead as a kid, so for me, it it didn't phase (laughs) me. But (laughs) yeah, um, yeah. But for a lot of kids, I I know um, a, a lot of other friends of mine who weren't as into it as I was when we were kids because it was too scary. A lot of them talk about Agra being scary to them and sort of how when she came out, it like freaked them out. Cause I guess um, you have that big moment when Jen is looking at the contraption, looking at the heavens and the machinery. And then she kind of pops up and goes, what's it for? Like out of nowhere, oh, which yeah, yeah. I guess if you're, you know, if you're a particularly jumpy child, I could see moments of Agra's dialogue kind of like, Whoa, like oh my goodness, like you're not prepared for that. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I still wouldn't could, call that a proper boo in the same no, way that no. um, the emperor. And then of course our boy Fizzgig, who um, 
by the way, if this is this is our first appearance of Fizzgig in in the whole franchise, and uh, yes. speaking as an admin of the Crystal Shard Facebook group, we have a we have a question for when people. Uh, request to join the group that's like who's your favorite character from the original movie and Fizzgig is the most common answer like oh wow really nine times out of <laughs> ten people say Fizzgig so like Fizzgig <laughs> wow. is a very popular character yeah I mean there are moments where he he steals the moment um you know he's barking and growling and I think you know later in the later minutes I think my favorite parts of um is him on the boat um he's just being just really chill just like mm. um but we'll definitely get into that in the future minutes of uh, in future episodes of the dark crystal minute he's also just such a cool like simple puppet um in this moment you know he's just um well they use a couple of different methods of puppetry for him but at the, in this particular moment when he's in the cave he's just your your standard uh hand in a hole um, yeah, yeah. And, but it's so effective because he's just, for all intents and, pur- and purposes, he kind of, you know, looks like a tribble when he's when he's all closed up. He's just like a little fluffy ball and then he opens up to <laughs> rows of teeth and <laughs> yes. massive mouth. <laughs> Pomeranian from hell, basically. But, yeah. <laughs> but we can't not love him. <laughs> no, not at all. No. Um, yeah, he's such a one, just one of the iconic characters of the Dark Crystal. Yeah. Um, just uh, you know he's sort of the 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 dog of the dark crystal um but it it is kind of like i mean that's the thing for me like you know with this jump scare i think it's so weird because every time i watch it um you know even though i know it's gonna happen but i can't like i can never figure out like the timing of it when the jump scare will actually happen it's always so unpredictable even though i mean yeah i probably could get a stopwatch and you know but I, you know, I haven't gotten to that point where I'm like, oh, I probably need to, you know, actually count how many seconds it takes because you know, <laughs> I still like the jump scare sort of thing. It's actually yeah. like, you know, yeah. Just another example of how this movie is is absolutely you could you could list it among uh, as gateway horror right up there with like the Frighteners and Gremlins and um, Monster Squad. You know, it's it. Yeah. Maybe Return to Oz if you want to go that far. Oh, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. Ugh. So yeah, just uh, we even got your jump scares here to sort of dis- determine when you're a kid how you feel about getting a good boo you know i feel like how into this moment you were as a kid is a good factor in determining uh how into horror films you would be later on as you got older yes yeah um and and just i guess another thing to point out um i know that you know with the character's name is fizz gig and then later on we found out that well that's actually the name of the species um it was so really interesting how they sort of you know went with that route so it's like basically you know kira is sort of just calling him like you know dog or, or cat yeah. you know hey dog yeah, <laughs> yeah. um yeah exactly and, uh, yeah so no, it was just one of those things where it's like oh you know should fizzgig actually had its own species name that wasn't fizzgig that fizzgig was specific to the character in the dark crystal or or didn't probably doesn't really matter sort of thing but yeah well i have a sort of theory in my head that you know because kira learned language and words for things and how to communicate from the podlings and um what we know of podling language is that it's it's pretty simple compared to other languages um and so i imagine that when she was little and she first met fizzgig um it stands to reason to me that that fizzgig was probably like this fizzgig is probably 
the first fizz gig that she met that he's been with her since she was little and maybe she learned like this is a fizz gig and so she learned like oh that's a fizz gig and so that was just his name to her um also it's possible that uh at this point in the story there aren't a lot of other fizz gigs in, in this region of the swamp i mean now with with uh the jm lee books and with age of resistance we know that fizz gigs were really common uh sort of near like the spriton plains and um but if you're looking at like the swamp lands like where the drenchen lived like they did not have fizz gigs um in their swamp they they had the the musky the little flying eel guys and stuff so yeah, it's possible yeah cuz and, and also with the fizz gigs um aren't they um sort of you know the creature for um one of the clans is it uh, with the spritons or i'm just not, i'm just trying no, to think which one the spritons clan. were the land strider i yes. think uh i want to say it was the um uh, the name is evading me, but the no, it's I think it's Stone in the Wood, the Stonewood. Stone in the Wood, yes, yeah, I think gigs, you're right. Yeah, of course, that, that makes Madra sense because Mordra has has Baffy. Yeah, yep, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, so those are more like open, um, landlocked sort of dry places, you know, rocks and stone and wood and plains. Um, but in swamplands, fizz gigs aren't as common so it's possible that um there just weren't any other fizz gigs in the swamp and so that opens up a whole other set of questions like what's why do we have this one fizz gig here so that's to me that's sort of my explanation as to why he's essentially a dog named dog (laughs) yeah yeah he's probably the only one that kira knows it's it's he's encountered yeah 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 so yeah yeah so speaking of and Kira, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing, you know, you, you know, this is really a big, big minute, you know, we've introduced and not only to Fizz Gig and then Jen lands in the mud and right in the mud, um, you're right in the mud. <laughs> and then out, out comes, um, you know, a cloaked figure and she reveals herself. And um, yeah, it's, it's Kira. And um, she's the most beautiful thing we've ever seen at this point. <laughs> like she is. Uh, I, she's the reason, Kira is the reason why I wanted to watch this movie in the first place when I was four years old and I saw the VHS um, on on the shelf and I saw this illustration and I was like, what are these creatures, especially her? She's the cutest, most adorable, little, beautiful princess. Like, she kind of reminded me of myself at the time because, you know, as a, as a little child, I've always been a, a small person. I'm... Um, for those of you who've never seen me in real life, I'm barely five feet tall. Um, so <laughs> I was an even smaller, more diminutive human when I was when I was little. I was always smaller than everyone else my age, and so I never really felt like a you know a Disney princess in particular because I was sort of um, goblin like <laughs> in stature, <laughs> and I was a little bit uh, you know more like a gremlin than a than a princess. But then here was. Kira and just from the cover I was like oh she's like a little elf she's like a little fairy she's she's beautiful but she's so like I don't know she's she's more different she doesn't look like she's from this world and I didn't like to think of myself as being like from this world so I knew immediately like I'm gonna connect with this character she's the kind of princess I can vibe with um and yeah when she comes out and she's in that hood and she like takes that that hood down and i i feel like we were all jen in that moment of just like wow like yeah i was not expecting that she's wonderful (laughs) yes Um, yeah 
to and then she immediately starts speaking um podling i believe podling, she's, yes. she's speaking yeah. podling a cruder mm-hmm. and <laughs> yeah. which is just so like i love the way she speaks podling it's it sounds so different from when the podling speak it um it, it just she makes it sound so much more elegant than when like hup speaks it for instance which you know makes perfect sense of course it would sound different she's a she's a different creature but there's just something about that uh that voice performance as well um Lisa Maxwell um she's she just gives this beautiful like she walks that line between being innocent but also being wise because she for all intents and purposes she knows a lot more about the world than Jen does yeah absolutely yeah I mean you know she's lived with the pollings for a long time um sort of learning their culture and 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 I, I that's one of those things where I love to see like these you know if they ever did like these side stories of you know, what Jen was up to before the events of the film or what Kira was up to. And, I mean, even with Kira, I think Kira would be someone who'd be a bit more um, uh, adventurous, I guess, you know, um, going out to places or, you know, even if if there was, like, a moment where um, she actually visit, visits Hurrah and just sees the destruction of, like, that town completely obliterated by, you know, the Skeksis slash, you know, the Gotham um and just going you know just searching through maybe she encounters that big library and you know finds whatever books she could find to to read up about the history of um throw or you know the things that that went down yeah. um and we know that she can't read at this stage but she would oh, that is true that is like true yes finding yeah. these artifacts you got me there. and trying to figure out <laughs> but she would if she were looking at it though she'd be like trying to figure out what looking at pictures and we know you know if she had found anything say for example in brea's library we know brea painted tons of of imagery of the things she saw so um it would be interesting to see Kira sort of discovering these things and, and figuring them out. And then maybe later on, after the events of the film, she and Jen could maybe go and find it. And he could, you know, he'd be reading, she'd be looking at the pictures, he'd be teaching her how to read. There's just so much possibility there for, um, at the very least for other comics or, you know, for shorts of little snippets of them sort of learning about their culture again. So... So yeah, in this moment when when Jen meets Kira, she she is speaking podling and she sort of um, calms down Fizzgig immediately. Like she has the the Fizzgig powers as soon as she tells him, like, "Hey, yeah. chill out, <laughs> don't pass, like, chill out, chill yeah, out, man." Yeah, calm, That's essentially calm down. yeah, yeah. <laughs> podling for chill, dude. Um, <laughs> and he he immediately is like, "Whoa!" He goes into cute cute puppy mode, and we're all in love with Fizzgig at that point. And uh, Jen asks her, are you a gelfling like me? And it's it's so wholesome. <laughs> just He's just in such disbelief. Like he, he knows immediately that she's like him because it's what he's been looking for his whole life. Um, it's almost like suddenly his mission no longer matters. This is more important. Like you're a, a gelfling like me and... I thought yeah, I was the only one. I was the only one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And um, so you realize that he, he's no longer alone. Like, he's not the only Galfling alive. It's also um, fascinating yeah. that Kira, um, she switches immediately to speaking Jen's language. And so, you know, that raises the question of, 
you know, how, how had she learned uh, who, the Gelfling which, tongue? Yeah. Yeah. Which like, podlings, because we don't hear the podlings speak. I don't want to call it English, not English, but like the common tongue. We don't hear the podlings in this film. They only speak podling and she speaks podling to them. So how does she know? I'm that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. That. Or whether, um, you know, whether um, Hop was the one who looked Maybe after her. Maybe she had an um, Uncle Hop. Uncle Hop. And, you know, because I mean, Hop, you know, he could speak some Gelfling tongue, not a lot, um, but yeah, it's and it, certainly it is, by the time yeah. Kira was born, he would have gotten better at it. Surely that stands to reason. Spending more time with the rest of the party, that you know, down the line, you know, a few years later, however long uh, it is until Kira is born, he could probably and, you know. Well, um, you know, and then I'm just trying to think. Like, I mean, you could say that she could have, um, you know, she lived with the podlings. But maybe in between, maybe she actually did encounter some Gelfling and actually maybe lived with them for a couple of years. And then they all got caught by the Gotham, um, you know, again. And then she's, yeah. Which is know, why she, she goes then back thinks she's the, the only Puddlings, one. Puddling clan. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah because so. she actually has memory. That's the thing. When we think of Jen and Kira, Kira has more memory of seeing um, the Gartham do what the Gartham do, <laughs> like coming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, snatching, yeah. snatching up Gelfling and Podling, and you know, Jen has like his one core memory, as we're about to see in the in the Dream Fast. But he he doesn't have as much context for how like what the Gul- the Gartham are. He doesn't he doesn't know. <laughs> Kira has much more experience witnessing the magnitude of the trauma and the genocide and the the horror of it all. She's she has seen it. Um like ultimately Jen has had a, a more sheltered, safe life and Kira has been exposed to the very real danger and reality of of what's happening in their world. Yeah. Um so that's that's also something you know to consider about the the depth of Kira's character is the sort of trauma that she's witnessed and the strength that she's had to exhibit to get through that, um, and she's a bilingual queen and uh, she, well more than that if you consider um, that she speaks to the plants and animals also like, um, so oh now, yeah much later on in some minutes yeah yeah, yeah. Absolutely. well we're about to see also in this minute the dream fast starts doesn't it she reaches out and touches hand to help him out of the mud and well we th- see our first dream fast well yeah i mean that that's that's something that we'll definitely discuss in the next minute because i think the the minute ends with um i think with jen saying you gelfling like me yeah um so, so we don't even hear kira say i thought i was yet so in this minute we're just ending on Jen's reaction to seeing her and we basically yeah we are having that Being same moment with him and- of oh, <laughs> who's wow, she you know, who is she yeah exactly yeah and um actually what well, before we sort of wrap up i mean one of the things um i i wanted to bring up i think at around 34 minutes 34 seconds um at that point you can actually see um like a bird flying in the background and i think it is that shot um i'm gonna double check anyways but i think it's the shot where you do see um uh kira uh coming out from the you know from the woods um and you see that bird in the background um 34 34 and 
and so and actually um when i actually had um uh cheryl henson on the podcast uh many many years ago uh where i got to interview her about the dark crystal and sort of what her involvement she did with the film and she actually talked about that that bird um and actually just like how they spent um i think it was something to do with like they they had issues with the bird um they just couldn't it couldn't work but jim was like nah this has got to be in the shot it's gonna work and so basically they they got it working um to get the bird to sort of fly in that background you know for that shot um and I think um, she spoke about how, yeah, talking about the bird and just how they spent, they actually ended up spending so much time getting that bird to work to a point that I think that the cost of the bird was almost equivalent to like a, a year's wage for the builder that, <laughs> that did the job, um, which is like pretty crazy to think about that. But again, that you know, that's just something that, you know, Jim, I, I think, you know, he, he didn't want to... Um, be like nah you know you know don't worry about the bird yeah exactly don't worry about the bird you know yeah he could have you know he could have easily been like you know what let's just scrap that bird Yeah, nobody's gonna see it this doesn't matter it's just (laughs) in the background it's it's not part of the main plot it's like it's not a character it's just a little detail in the background but like no we we care about that's what distinguishes dark crystal from so many other franchises is because it's just endless things like that where it's little tiny things like oh did you notice how when uh kira comes out from that little cave and we see the tree like <laughs> moving and breathing again like the same yes, one that, yeah. <laughs> like how in the last minute jen was walking behind you know breathing trees and it raises the questions and this was before we had the uh, the bestiary we had actual books about it now but we we didn't always have that and you know and also not uh, not all of us had access to, like, say, the the visual history of the world of Dark Crystal. Like, that's a, not all fans are able to get their hands on that right away. And we're just, you know, kids with VHSs. And so uh, we're just sitting there pointing out all of these little details about the world. And that was the point of what Jim Henson and, and Cheryl and what the Frouds wanted to do was to build a, a world where we were going to always like infinitely fine little details in the world not just the plot the main characters but the whole universe that he's showing us like what tell me about that specific bird <laughs> i know <laughs> what yeah is the deal and with i think that bird? And, 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 and i actually i actually think i think i actually brought up that bird and it was just it was just more just like i i think i remember i think i chatted to her saying you know how every time i watch the film I see something different or see something that I never really notice a lot. I'm like, and, and like one of those times was, Oh, I noticed that bird, you know, flying in the background. I never noticed it before. Um, and then of course, you know, like, I mean, that's a great thing now, especially watching the film in Blu-ray or even in 4k that, you know, because of the, the high quality, you know, the resolution that there is, you could see, you know, there's just a lot more detail that, you know, that you may not have noticed back back being the kid on watching VHS and, you know, getting those scratchy lines or, you know, that, you know, that always appear every time, you know, the more times you play the movie sort of thing. So yeah. Yeah. So it's just, you know, yeah. So I, I guess, you know, for anyone, I will try and um, put that in the show notes. Um, we have that Cheryl Henson interview. Cause um, yeah, it's definitely worth. Um, and is it a, a real listen. bird or a puppet bird? <laughs> it's a puppet bird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because I mean, the builders had to build it, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's not a natural. 
I feel. I like know they, they probably could have got a. I know. Yeah. That was what I what I was got the real bird as a kid. Yeah, I yeah. Thought, like, yeah. was that? What was that? <laughs> they get a real bird in there. They, I know. They, or they could have just yeah. done a a real bird and then paint a different color. But yeah. I mean, that's probably couldn't really do yeah. that. Um. Well, anyways, so it, when yeah. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of um, I watched I've watched a lot of behind the scenes for the movie Legend. Um. Ridley Scott's film Legend, and they talk about how they had unleashed a bunch of birds in the soundstage, like real birds, to add the ambient sounds of wildlife and stuff. And so that was like created a whole slew of problems in there. But um, you actually did see like birds flying around, and it adds to that illusion that they're actually outside in a forest. But when in fact they're inside a fully enclosed soundstage that they just unleashed some birds in. And so, um, for whereas for dark crystal we have no 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 we're gonna make our own birds and we're gonna make sure you notice it (laughs) we're not gonna we're not gonna cut out the bird because we built him this is a puppet bird (laughs) i think if they had just unleashed birds in the set then they wouldn't have jim wouldn't have cared as much he wouldn't have been like that's fine we don't need to see the bird but no no yeah all the birds attack the um the the puppets yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So no, no, it's just again, it's just one of those one of those little details that just like, and and yeah, like I was I was surprised to hear that that story. Um, just just behind that just behind that bird from the dark crystal. So, yeah, that it was awesome. So um, yeah. So again, you know, I think we'll have to um wrap up for this episode of the Dark Crystal Minute. Um, and I think you know, we'll um yeah look forward to deep diving into the next minute as um you know we get into uh, the the dream fast time to dream so, fast yes. let's go yeah <laughs> all right thank you so much and stay tuned for more the dark crystal minute if you'd like to get in contact with the show you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Dark Crystal Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Dark Crystal Podcast and on Twitter at Dark Crystal Pod. Thank you all so much and stay tuned for the next episode of Trial by Stone.